Hey, everybody. I'm Dan Bro, along with my co-host, Matt Bruner, and welcome to the Real Estate Heroes podcast, the stories and lessons from real estate wholesalers, investors, and professionals who are changing lives and making an impact so that we can help you become the real estate hero. Now, just a quick reminder that this recording is an exclusive live event for our students only, and they have the opportunity to ask questions and get those answers. So if you want to be one of those lucky few, head over to actiondanbro.com and schedule a call for sign up. Now, today we have a very special guest. I'd like to welcome Matt Larson. Um, this guy has done thousands of real estate deals. He's doing things that nobody else is doing. He's wholesaling, buying and holding. He owns a property management business, a dumpster business, a real estate education business, all while working less than the average person. I've learned a ton from him. I'm sure you will too. Uh, Matt, super grateful to have you on. Well, excited to be here. Always, uh, always willing to help. Awesome. Um, so for anyone who might not know you yet, um, would you catch them up to speed? What's your story? Yeah. So, you know, um, I, I, I've been in real estate for 16 years. I've done over 4,000 deals and, um, you know, I wish I could say that, you know, I, I came from wealthy parents, but that wasn't the case. You know, I, I had to scratch and claw my way through and, uh, you know, kind of the, as the story goes, and, uh, you know, I went to, a, I grew up in a small town in Illinois. I'm actually in Illinois right now at my lake house. You can kind of see the lake in the background. This is kind of my, my spot to, to hang, but I grew up in a small town in Illinois, um, 3,700 people. And, uh, I wasn't really what you'd call like a, a student. Um, I got basically very average grades, decided to go to college, um, made it one semester. And after that one semester, they told me I couldn't come back. And so um, I came back home and, you know, my dad's pretty hardcore and he's like, hey, you know, if you're not going to be in college, you got it, you got to get a job. So I ended up getting a, a job at a local machine shop and uh, at 19 years old, entered the workforce, um, not really having a plan with life or, uh, or any of that stuff. My parents never, you know, went to college, so college wasn't really that important to me. Um, and I didn't really, I really didn't like that stuff anyway. So I, I was working at this machine shop for for a lot of years. And, um, and then something happened that kind of changed the whole course of, of my life. And what happened was I started dating this girl and, uh, you know, there's always a girl involved, right? So I started dating this girl. I'm, I'm working at a machine shop. I'm 20, I'm 26 years old when I started dating her. And at 30 years old, we've been dating about four years. And, um, she comes to me one day and she says, Hey, I, I want to break up. And I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely heartbroken at this point. Um, you know, it, it, you know, I was, I was head over heels in love and, and, uh, sh I said, why? And she's like, well, because I want to date somebody with status, somebody that makes money. Um, here I was, you know, driving around and beat up vehicles, working at a regular job. She's basically a doctor at this point. Um, and, uh, and so I, I at that point, I never really thought about making money. And, um, all of a sudden, I, well, I don't know how to make money. First of all, I was always taught, you know, my, my dad always said, if you want to make more money, work more hours, work overtime. If you want to make more money, cash your vacation in. If you want to make more money, work holiday pays because you get paid double time. And that was the only way I knew to make more money. And so, um, I'm basically stressed out, uh, stressed to the max, you know, I'm, I'm miserable and, um, heartbroken. And I, I, the reason she breaks up with me is because she wants to date somebody with money. So my main thing is, is I got to figure out how to make money. 
And so, um, and so I, you know, I come from a very poor family and anytime that, um, you know, we'd be driving around, uh, you know, my parents, they did the old Sunday drive on Sundays. We didn't have enough money to, to really do stuff. We didn't go out to eat or anything like that. Um, so on Sundays, there was the same routine. We'd drive neighborhoods and, um, every time we'd go by a, what I would consider a really nice house in, in retrospect, it's kind of weird because these are like $200,000 houses. We drive by a $200,000 house. I always ask my dad, how does that person, I mean, we lived in crap. We lived in very, very, very crappy houses, rental houses. And uh, I'd ask my dad, like, how does a person afford a house that nice? You know, $200,000 house. He's like, they inherited the money. That was always his answer. And so I didn't have anybody to ask about making money. And so wait, late one night, um, you know, you guys, a lot of people have kind of heard of these things called infomercials, you know, they're not as popular as they once were, but at one time that, that was where you'd get your information before the internet. And so, um, I'm late one night, I'm stressed out, couldn't sleep, trying to, you know, trying to recover from this breakup. A guy comes on TV and says that you can make money from real estate. And so I ordered his book and, and I get it. And I, now I had never read a book at this point, the only books I'd ever read, I didn't even know, I didn't know that self-help books even existed. Never heard of them. Uh, never read a single one. Uh, only books I'd ever read was what I saw in high school. And um, I didn't even read those. <laughs> so, so uh, I get this book and I just freaking fall in love with this book. I read it again and again and again and again, and something in my mind triggered. And I, I, I believed, I absolutely believed I had $700 in my bank account, but I absolutely believed I could do this. And I, 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 I was so, um, I don't know if you'd call it uh, naive. I was naive enough to think I could do it. Um, it said no money down in the book. And that's what I believed. And I, you know, within 30 days, I did my first deal. Um, within the first 12 months, I had done 12 deals. Second, second year, I did 10 third deal, I did 19. Next year, I did 51. Next year, I did 104. And it just it just went up from there. And, um, you know, uh, it was pretty amazing. You know, by 2008, I had, uh, I had been able to create enough cash flow, um, where I paid off all my bills, I had enough money left over where I was financially free. And I literally packed up my car one one winter and late, uh, after three years of being in real estate, moved to Florida for three and a half months, lived in a hotel, hung out on the beach until I got bored. And, uh, and then came back and of course the, the market had crashed and, and we had the opportunity of a lifetime. So that's kind of, that's kind of like a long winded version of my entree into real estate. So. And, um, yeah, sounds like you've gone through a lot. Um, one thing that really stuck out to me though, your first deal in 30 days, mm -hmm. that's super quick. Very. Yeah. And, and was this, was this flipping? Was that wholesaling? What were you doing? Yeah. So what I did was um, I found this, I actually still own this property. Okay. So I found this property. Uh, it wasn't listed. I found it in, believe it or not, I found it in, a, in uh, the classified ads in a newspaper. Didn't really know what I was doing, but um, went to a guy and just said, I didn't even know what private money was. None of it. I just went to a guy and said, Hey, I found a really good deal. Um, I think it's a good deal. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Um, but I found this deal. Will you put up the money and we'll own it together? That's how I worded it. That's all I knew. He's like, well, what's the numbers on it? And I told him and he's like, that sounds like a pretty good deal. Yeah, I'll do that with you. 
So we bought it and, and as, as luck would have it on their first deal, it was actually, I did a really good job of buying it cheap, found it, you know, obviously when you find something in a newspaper article or classified, you can get a good deal on it, negotiated a price and, uh, and we bought it and then um, we refinanced it and he got, I paid him all his money back plus $7,000 and then I owned the property uh, myself with, with, uh, with cash flow. So um, that was my first one. And then, I, and then I got a little bit more sophisticated as deals went on and eventually got into wholesaling. And, and uh, you know, by 2000, by 2013, I had uh, 450 houses in my portfolio. So I made some moves and move. I work pretty fast. Um, you know, so, uh, so we've done, we've done a few deals there. So. Wow. Yeah. Just a few. Um, so what does your business look like now? Yeah. You know, so, you know, I'm 46 years old. I turned 46 a few weeks ago and I'm a lot different now than I was at 30 years old. At 30 years old, I had unlimited energy. You know, I would work unlimited amounts of hours and I really didn't care what it took. Um, and I, I, those first three years were brutal. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to fool anybody now. It's never, it's not as hard as it isn't anywhere near as hard now as it was back then. It's, life's a lot different. There's a, we're, we've evolved in, in technology and everything else, but um, you know, I worked hard and, uh, and so um, you know, those first three years, I grinded it out. Uh, but I worked a lot of hours. I really did. I, I worked a full-time job for those first three years. I did real estate at nights and weekends. Um, basically, didn't didn't really do much outside of real estate for the for those three years. Now it's different. You know, I'm 46 years old. I like hanging here at my lake house. I don't want to work a lot of hours. Um, my real estate business, I put a, you know between four and five hours a week into my real estate business. Like actual legit. There's a lot of people that talk a lot of crap um, and pretend like they don't work a lot in the real estate business. I actually don't. Uh, my business runs kind of without me. I'm very, very high level. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, we've flipped a lot of houses, wholesaled a lot of houses, bought a lot of rental properties. I flipped crazy things. Like I made $700,000 flipping a Buffalo Wild Wings restaurant. I just flipped a, a warehouse and made $450,000 on that. Um, so I've done some weird stuff too, like with apartments and did a lot of wholesale of apartments and commercial deals. Um, but my main, my main thing has always been single family homes. And so we still do that. We primarily do wholesaling right now. Um, I'm in the process of selling off my portfolio. I bought most of my houses during the downturn, got a really good deal on them. We're up towards the, towards the top. I mean, and I could be wrong. We could keep going for 10 more years, who knows, but I've been selling off quite a few of my properties, um, sitting on cash and waiting for the ne that next opportunity because, you know, I made a fortune during the downturn. And, um, and so I want to repeat that only times 10 next time. So, uh, so yeah, so that's kind of, kind of what I got going. Um, but as you mentioned in the beginning, I have some other businesses too. I have a real estate education business um, that does really well. Um, it's kind of a crazy deal. Like if you actually do deals and start a real estate education business, as you know, Dan, like you can actually provide real value to people and they appreciate that. Um, I say that with a smile because there's a lot of people out there selling education that, um, you know, maybe even not even done a couple of deals. So, um, so that's gone really well. I have a, like you mentioned, I have a, a dumpster business that um, I was spending 20,000 a month on dump on renting other people's dumpsters. So, you know, I woke up one day and realized, Hey, I'm an investor. I should invest in my own, my own stuff. So I bought a, a dumpster truck and 20 dumpsters. And now I rent, I use them for my own business. And then when we're not using them, we rent those out to other people and kind of make cash flow off of, off of cleaning out our own houses. So, 
Uh, got a lot of other businesses like that, little ancillary businesses here and there, dabbled in a lot of different things over the years. But now, 46 years old, don't want to work hard. <laughs> you know, I don't want to work as hard anymore as I used to. So I kind of, I kind of figured out the, you know, the, the uh, leverage piece. So I, I have a lot of virtual assistants work in my business. Personally, my own personal real estate companies, there's 13 full-time virtual assistants. Um, we do everything virtually, um, just like I know you're, Dan, you're doing a lot of virtual stuff as well. Um, but we're a virtual company. We don't look at any of the houses that we flip or wholesale. We don't physically walk through any of them. I haven't been in a house in years. In fact, I went to my office like two months ago because I had a student that wanted to see it. Um, so I went to my office for the first time, I think, in over a year. Um, so, but we have like a mini Lowe's there and he kind of wanted to see it where we buy our own materials and get a huge discount. Um, so we, he wanted to see that. So I went back, but, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we just figure out, I'm very smart about stuff. Now I don't want to work. I figure out how can I build a team and a system around an idea and let somebody else run it. So, um, there's a lot of people out there that have more energy than me. So, uh, we, we let them do the hard stuff. Man, so one thing that, that stuck out to me, four to five hours a week in your real estate business. Mm -hmm. Like, I imagine it didn't start out that way. So no. what was the process to get you there? And what does that look like now? Yeah, so no, it absolutely didn't start that way. And I don't want to, I hate, sometimes I hate telling people my story because I don't want them to think it was easy. It wasn't. I didn't start out working four hours a week, you know. Um, I worked a lot of hours, 80, 100 hours, no big deal. I mean, did that for years, did that weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, but what happened was one day, what I, I realized is, is, you know, you can leverage systems and you can leverage people. And as long as you trade your time for money, you're, you're never going to have both. So um, what I did was I made a list. I took out, you know, I'm very big on, I write, I write a lot of notes. I'm pretty old school. I fill out a journal every morning. I literally write everything, you know, everybody should have a journal. Everybody should write, take notes um, and just put their thoughts on paper. But I wrote out one day, I took a piece of paper. I drew a line down the center on one side of the paper. I wrote down everything that I hated to do um, or I wasn't good at on that side. And I wrote all those things. And that was a really long list. Then on the other side, I wrote down all the things that I really liked doing and, or that I was really good at. And I had a really short list on the good things that I'm good at. And I had a really long list of the things I don't like and uh, wasn't good at. I took that list and, uh, and turned it into an interview sheet. And basically when I hired, I decided to hire a full-time personal assistant and, uh, and I used the, the things I wasn't good at and the things I didn't like to do. I used that as my questions. Like I, I've used that to figure out how to find somebody that that was their other side of the sheet. Those are the things that they love to do and that they were good at. And so I had come up with this idea, like those things were taking me 40 hours a week. And I thought, well, if I hire somebody and I give them those things, it'll take them 40 hours a week. And I, I was wrong. And if you find something that you're not good at, you're probably not fast at it either. So when I hired my first personal assistant, she was able to do stuff that would take me 40 hours a week. She was able to do them about 10 hours. So I got rid of all of those things, um, and I was paying her $13 an hour at the time. Uh, I got rid of all those things for $13 an hour and let somebody else do them, and they, they could do those things in about 10 hours a week. So I was able to really offload the things that made me miserable, um, and it, it, what it allowed me to do is it got all my time back, so now I can spend all my time 
doing the things that I love to do and that I was good at. And typically, those are the things that make you the most money. You like doing the stuff that makes you the most money. So what it did is it massively increased my income. And I doubled my income um, within the next 12 months. And so I've just repeated that process over the years and uh, continue to refine that. Anytime I get up in the morning or I find myself throughout the day doing something that I should not be doing that I could outsource to somebody else, I immediately make that a note and I, I outsource it. The difference is now I don't, I don't figure out how to outsource it. I hand it to somebody else on my team and say, get this off my plate, find somebody else to do it. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how I do it. You, you can do it. Um, anybody can follow that process. Um, a lot of times I, I find that it's really hard to talk people into hiring their first person to help them. Um, you can hire a virtual assistant really cheap, you know, typically three, four or five bucks an hour. Um, and, and you don't have to worry about paying like payroll taxes or anything like that. They're easy to find if, if you know the right strategies, um, you got to get good at interviewing, finding somebody that's good and give them good direction. And for, you know, a hundred or 200 bucks a week, you could basically be running your, your real estate business as a part-time gig, even though you could be making full-time income. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of the process that I followed there. I love that you use the four quadrants method. Like that's something that we preach to all of our students. That's something that, I mean, it's life-changing, right? It's business changing. It's everything changing. Mm -hmm. Um, like if you were a newer wholesaler, if you were a wholesaler, like what are some of the things that you would delegate off first? Well, absolutely marketing part. You know, you're, you're, you don't have a wholesaling business if you don't have leads coming in, right? And so um, priority number one, you know, marketing, right? If, if it doesn't matter if it's wholesaling, it doesn't matter if you're selling cell phones, it doesn't matter if you're selling, you know, cups to somebody, doesn't matter what you do in life. If your business, if you want to be in business, you have to have leads, right? You have to have something to work on. You can't get up in the morning and hope something shows up, right? You have to have a marketing plan. And so, so you know, the first thing you want to do is, is outsource your marketing. We do in the wholesaling business, we do text, mark, text message marketing, we do cold calling, and we do um, direct mail. Now, those are paid marketing. And you know, I love paid marketing because paid marketing generates consistent leads every day. Now, there's also free marketing you can do, and everybody should do it. Even if you're doing paid marketing, you should be doing free marketing. You can always find, you can find deals on Facebook Marketplace. You can find deals on Zillow. You can find deals on Craigslist. You can ask for referrals. You can find stuff on social media. You can always be working the free stuff too. It's just the free stuff isn't typically as consistent as paid marketing. So we do both. So if I have somebody, if I'm starting over from brand new, first person I'm going to hire, I'll probably end up hiring an assistant first, knowing what I know now, because then I don't have to do a lot of the work. Um, but then I would have that, uh, I would have that marketing per person in place so that leads are coming in the door automatically every day. And, uh, and then, um, and then from there, uh, I would I would absolutely start with marketing and you get some deals done, you get you get a little momentum, close some deals. Let's say you're starting from zero. You get some deals um, closed. You, you take all the money you make and you reinvest it in the business. That's another thing that irritates me with social media nowadays is everybody's a big shot. Everybody's, you know, at the club with bottle service, wearing Rolex watches and fancy cars. And trust me, you guys, I, I believe I like that stuff. I've owned the Lamborghinis. I have a pile of Rolex watches. Um, you know, I love nice cars, nice houses, all that stuff. 
But for three years, I put every penny back into my business. And that's not, that's the discipline that's rare these days, I guess. And I don't even know why I did that because I had no money before I started. I guess I read, read enough books telling me to do that stuff. But um, you should take the money you make from your business, those first few deals, and absolutely roll that back in. Put it into more marketing. Guess what's going to happen? More marketing is going to generate more leads. More leads are going to generate more, uh, more offers. More offers are going to generate more contracts. More contracts are going to generate more paydays. So it just, it's just going to feed on itself um, you know, and, and do it even further. Most people and most businesses, most companies, when they're tight on cash, the first thing they cut is marketing. It makes no sense. You know, they're cutting their, they're, they're basically shutting the oxygen off, right? Oxygen marketing is the oxygen in your business. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's where I start anywhere. Once I get now, once I got some deal flow happening and I'm closing deals, now I'm going to add an acquisitions person again, um, for marketing, it's a virtual assistant. I can have a virtual assistant run my marketing for six bucks an hour. Uh, and they could be texting, doing texting campaigns, pulling lists, skip tracing, texting, generating leads all day. Um, once I get uh, got some deals closed, invest that money back in my business, I get go out and get an acquisitions VA. Okay, so now now they're taking those those leads and converting those leads into you know offers and contracts. Uh, again, you know you won't see very many people talk about acquisitions VAs because we're the only company I think of in the planet that actually provides them. Um, but uh, we've done a, we've done kind of created, we kind of broke the uh, kind of, uh, you know, kind of cracked the code, as you'd say, on acquisitions VAs. And so now we have people from the Philippines taking all, all of our leads and, and closing deals for a fraction of the price of an American closer. And I personally think they're better too. But, um, uh, but yeah, so I mean, you just pick one thing at a time. And you start outsourcing that I love virtual assistants, I think they're the best solution. I think the future is virtual assistants, especially COVID. That was already heading that way anyway, but COVID kind of sped all that whole process up. So um, I don't see it slowing down, that's for sure. That's how I do it. I love that. Delegate. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. that's, that's a great. must. Well, so Matt, I mean, 13 virtual assistants, multiple businesses, multiple coaching calls, multiple properties. Like, how do you, how do you manage all this? <laughs> Well, again, um, I stick to the stuff that uh, I really don't manage a lot of it. I stick to the, the stuff that I need to do. Everything else is off my plate and onto somebody else. Um, you know, like, so like of my 13 virtual assistants and that work in my real estate businesses, I really don't manage any of them, you know, so, so somebody on my team does all that. Um, again, um, you know, if you can, if you get up every day and you look for something you can get off your plate you're going to wake up eventually with nothing to do other than the top line stuff. And um, if you're disciplined enough to not do it, here's, here's the, here's, here's the hard part. The hard part is the discipline because you find yourself saying, well, I know that that, that thing's only going to take me 10 minutes. I'll just, I'll just do that myself. Oh, that's only 10 minutes of stuff. I'll do that myself. And what it is, is it's death by a thousand cuts. Uh, everybody, you know, they, they think that the, the big moves are made when you offload something off your plate that takes two hours. It's really not. The big moves are made when you're offloading the 10 to 15 minute tasks. Your day is eaten up by 10 to 15 minute tasks. And so if you can be disciplined enough not to do it, then, then you'll actually make progress and that progress will lead to more money, you know? Man. 
that I think for anyone listening who, who didn't hear that, I'm going to repeat that again. And this might be a, a little bit of a paraphrasing, but death by a thousand cuts, your day is eaten up by 10 minute tasks, not by the stuff that takes you two hours. It's those little things that you just think, oh, it's not going to take me that much time. I can get it done. It's not a big deal. But if your whole day is filled with that stuff or your week, you lose hours. And I mean, clearly, Matt, you've done a great job with perfecting that system. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's the that's the that's the hidden part of the whole thing. You know, it's these little these little tiny tasks like like let me give you guys an example of something so simple. I told myself for years that I would just always do this thing. So every time I would buy a property, let's say I bought it and wanted to put it in my portfolio. I have a I have a personal financial statement that's just a bunch of spreadsheets with all my properties listed on each each entity has its own page. And um, every time I'd buy a property, I would go in, I would input the address, input how much rent we got, how many ta taxes, insurance, maintenance, management, uh, what, how, if I owed, if I borrowed money on it with a bank loan, I'd put that in there. And if I, if I had whatever it was worth, I'd put that in there and then it do its calculation automatically and show me what my net worth grew, my cash flow, and all that. That would take me about 10 minutes to fill out that line. And uh, I always just did it. it was fun because I was like, I oh, mean, I like to watch to see that number grow at the bottom. And then one day I wake up and I'm like, this thing's freaking take me 10 minutes every time I buy a property. I'm not going to do that anymore. So I, I literally just filmed a quick little screen video, sent it to my assistant, Amanda, and just said, hey, every time we buy a property, fill this in and send it back. Never have to, I've never had to think about it again. That was two years ago. Um, so I haven't, that 10 minutes I've saved, um, you know, however many hundreds of times it saved me times 10 minutes and 10 minutes is 10 minutes. You know, like some people, you know, some people like mowing their grass. Um, you know, personally, I think mowing the grass is fun. If you saw the hill behind me, you would not think that, that mowing the grass was fun. And so, um, you know, I pay somebody 55 bucks to come over here and mow the grass. I mowed it one day when I first bought this place and it, it took me like two hours and I was tired at the end. So I'm like, I'm never mowing the grass again for 55 bucks. I'm going to have somebody else do it. So you can do it in your personal life and you can also do it in your business. And, um, and so you should be focused on both, you know, now if you love doing a specific thing and you truly do love it, um, then absolutely do it. But if you love it because you're saving yourself a couple of bucks and you don't really love it, it's just, you'd like saving money. Don't do it. Go spend your time doing something that you could make a lot more money on, you know, for the hour, you know, I can bill out thousands of dollars an hour for my time for me to t mow my grass for an hour. It's not saving me 55 bucks. It's costing me a couple thousand dollars. And so, um, and so that's really how you have to look at those things. Not what it's saving by you doing it. What's it costing you? I have really good friends that, um, that haven't, that, that can't, that can't let go of that. The way they were brought up, the way you know they were they were taught to be frugal, and the way they were brought up was, hey, you 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 know you don't let you don't hire out something that you can do yourself because you can save the money, and and you're really losing the big picture. It's not about saving; it's what it's costing. So, absolutely. Um, one thing you know, I, I know you, you have 13 full time virtual assistants, which is way more than anyone I know. Um, one thing I'm curious about, I'm sure a lot of other people are curious about is how do you maintain quality when handing off all those tasks to, especially to VAs? Mm -hmm. 
Well, there's a couple ways you can do it. One, um, you, every single VA is required to turn in their, their, they have daily requirements, right? They have to turn in, they, so they're required to do X per day. Every day, they send you a day, uh, an email. Here's what I did starting my day. Here, or here, I'm going to start my day. So they check in, hey, I'm getting ready to start my day. Here's what I'm going to work on today. And at the end of their day, they send another email. Okay, my day is over. Here's what I accomplished. And with a quick three, no, not even three, one minute glance, you, you can see everything that they did. I'm actually still copied on those emails. A lot of times I delete them and I don't open them. Um, but sometimes I actually open a, one up every once in a while and I check things out. And so, but somebody else on my team is always looking at it. So that's one thing you can do to check to make sure that things are getting done. If I opened up the my acquisitions VA's um, daily KPIs and I noticed that, you know, hey, he only had four phone calls and zero offers and no offers accepted and this and that, that's going to raise a red flag. And I have to dig in and start asking some questions. But if I'm glancing at it, okay, he had, you know, 38 conversations today. He had, he made 14 offers and two of them were accepted. Okay, good. That's, I'm happy with that. Right. So, so we, we require that. The other thing you can do another little trick, it's really cheap. It's like seven or 10 bucks is you can, you can go to um, Hubstaff, hubstaff.com and, and actually get pay for a computer screen monitoring service. And they take periodic screenshots of that virtual assistance um, screen. And you can hire another virtual assistant to review. Like I, what I do is I have 13 virtual assistants. They're all on Hubstaff. I have another virtual assistant over here. Part of her day is just reviewing to make sure nobody's screen goes to Facebook. Nobody's screen goes to, hey, so with Hubstaff, you get alerted if their mouse doesn't move for a really long time or for a certain amount of time, or if they're on the wrong website, you'll get alerted. So it just, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a checks and balances system. Um, but it's super simple, very cheap, and um, a really good way to to keep an eye on everything. Very cool. Love that. Yeah. I mean, those, uh, one of my favorite things, they say, trust, but verify. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it seems like you've been doing a really good job of that. Yeah. You know, no different than we, we have, a, you know, we have a property management company, so we have some maintenance vans and uh, every single maintenance van. Um, we weren't like, I wasn't happy with the number of work orders getting completed every day. So we ended up um, putting a, a GPS system on each van. And we told the guys like, hey, just so you know, we're installing a GPS system in your van. We're going to see everything that everywhere you go, we're going to know, um, you know, and immediately just, just adding that work orders were completed at 30% higher rate just because they knew they were watching, right? They probably stopped driving across town to eat lunch for two hours and all that stuff, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you got to check, you got to trust, but you got to verify. And, um, and the, the technology is so easy now. If you just find the right, the right technology, you can do it really cheap. Absolutely. I think it goes back to also what you're saying. Like, it doesn't matter what it saves you. It matters what it costs you. Mm -hmm. So like watching your VAs, making sure that they're doing the right things going to lead to more results and more revenue. Yeah. You know, um, again, back on the, you know, what it, what it costs you, every single person should decide what their hourly rate is. You know, some people say, well, I don't work by the hour. I, I, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and I make X amount a year. I don't work by the hour. You still work by the hour. We all work by the hour. Uh, I don't care if you're a professional um, boxer NFL football player, basketball player getting paid 20 million a year, you're still working by the hour, right? You can, it's still, it's still time. 
And so what you do is you take, you, you figure out what your time's worth. Okay. I want to make, you know, $500,000, you know, in 2022, let's say, and you break that down by the number of hours in, in a week that you work and you come up with, okay, you know, 500 grand, my time is worth whatever that math is, you know, $196 an hour. Um, and, and then you decide, you draw a line in the sand. I make $196 an hour. Anything that I can do that I can, I can sub out to somebody else for less than 196 an hour, I'm subbing out. I'm not doing it. And if you can get to that point, then get, well, guess what, by the way, guys, what can, is there, there's, there's almost nothing you can't sub out for 190, less than 196, you know, $196 an hour that basically gets you free, right? If you can make, if you can make a decision that when I'm doing this, when I'm doing this activity, when I'm on the phone with a seller negotiating, you know, when I'm on, I'm on the phone with a buyer, a cash buyer negotiating, close a deal, I'm making $196 an hour. Okay. If that, when that's, if that's the case, everything other than that, you shouldn't be doing, you can hand it off to somebody else. And that gives you more time to go do more of those calls that make you all the money. So Matt, I'm curious, what would you say to somebody that thinks that they're worth $196 an hour, but they can't afford to delegate off anything at this very moment? Um, they need to probably look, look a little closer into the cash, their cash management process, right? Um, if they're, if they're, if they truly are, um, you know, it, let's be realistic too, right? There's, there's nothing wrong with being a dreamer and a goal setter and look and shooting for high goals, but all goals should be realistic, right? And you also have timelines on goals. You have time. To, so, so, you know, you want to make 500 grand um, in the, in the next 12 months. Okay. Well, let's break that down by month and figure out what you needed to be doing each day. And if you're not breaking that activity down to each day and you're not able to come up with a, a plan, then that number is probably the wrong number. Um, you know, however, you know, it, so if, if your goal is to make, um, if your goal is to make 500 grand and you don't have a penny to spend in marketing, okay, how do you make five, 500 grand then? You know, if you don't have a single penny, well, you might have to find a partner. Maybe go get a partner that's got money that doesn't want to do the hustle right? Figure out a plan on how you're going to get there. You know, there's always a way to get there. It just comes down to your creativity to, but if, if you don't have a partner and you don't have a way to come up with the money that it takes to do the marketing, to make 500 grand a year, then you need to come up with a different goal or, or get creative and find out how else you can get there. There's billionaires, um, you know, to, what, what, you know, the question could be asked, what's realistic and what's not. I don't really know. All I know is that the more creative I get um, and the more I un, you know, step away from doing stuff myself and just be the idea guy and then put those ideas into play, the more money I make. So you know, there's, people, there's people right now. There could be somebody watching, watching this right now that, could be, that in five years could be making a billion dollars. It's possible. You know, I'm not the guy to ask. I'm not a billionaire. I'm not a, the guy to ask on how to do it. Um, but when I get there, I'm, I'm the guy to ask, but in the meantime, you know, you know, you, you find somebody that's doing what it is that you want. If, if you want to make 500 grand and that's your goal, find somebody making 500 grand and ask them what they're doing, you know, find out if they'll, if they'll lay out a plan to show you, 
you know, by the way, $500,000, not very hard to make, right? In real estate, it's pretty easy to do. So, um, so it doesn't take a lot of creativity to get there. It's really some, some pretty simple math. Especially when you, especially when you've had days where you've made that, you know, like on big deal clothes, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, that's those deals you're talking about. That sounds pretty exciting. Um, mm. I'm sure there are a lot of people that would love to be doing that. I mean, that's that, that kind of money is life changing for almost everybody. Man, $5,000 for me six, 16 years ago was life changing. No joke was life changing yeah. money. You know, I yeah. didn't even, I remember I did my first wholesale deal. I made five grand and I was like, I'm rich, I'm rich, you know? So it, it all, it's all relative, you know, now, you know, my biggest, my biggest payday, um, you know, I mean, now if I, I mean, I don't even look twice if, if I make, if I do a deal and make 25 grand, it's like, okay, it's just a, you know, it's another deal. I don't even think about it. Right. I don't even see that. I don't go to the title company and get a check and show everybody the check and all that stuff, you know? So um, but it all, it's all relative. It all changes over time, man. If you're, if you're searching for your first deal right now, when $5,000 is life changing, run for it. That's where you stair step, right? Go get it, you know, and, and, uh, and take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, real quick, one thing I do want to circle back to is, so you mentioned, you know, the more creative I get, the more money I make mm -hmm. now how do you balance that between, you know, being creative, but also keeping the business simple. So it's not too complex. Well, um, you know, the, you can do both. You can create ideas that are simple. Um, that can also make you a lot of money, right? It's not like, I'm not talking about creating like a, a company like Tesla or SpaceX or one of those that billion dollar companies that like, you know, I don't know how the guy figures out how to, how to shoot a rocket into space and make money from it. Like that's a pretty, that's a pretty unique, unique um, skill set. But um, there, I guess when I say creativity, money is an idea, right? You can wake up tomorrow and come up with an idea and make money. It's really not hard. And then the idea that you choose um, and maybe work with is, 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 a, is within a mental capacity within your brain, right? Um, you know, there's, there's always a way, there's probably a way to make money on every single lead that comes in your pipeline. There's probably a way to make money on everyone. I know guys that make money. It's not my thing, but I know guys that make money on deals with no equity. They do some kind of an owner finance type deal and then, and then wholesale the contract to somebody that wants cash flow. There's probably a way to make money on every single lead if you're creative enough, right? Maybe you have marketing money that you use and a lot of leads come in that don't work for you. Well, what could you do? Could you sell those leads to somebody else? Could you hand those leads off to a realtor and, and get a referral fee or you know some type of a, a gift card type deal? You know, It's like there's money everywhere. You just have to be creative enough to get it. You have to, you have to think about the inefficiencies um, that are out there. You know, I, I use my, I use my, my, my virtual assistant company as an example. You know, last year I started my education company in 2020, uh, January of 2020. I had no, um, I didn't know how to write copy. I didn't have an email list. I didn't have any products, um, really didn't know what I was doing. And, uh, you know, I sat around one day. And I was trying to figure out what the heck I should sell for my first product. Cause I, now I, I wanted to start a real estate education business, but I didn't know what I was going to sell. 
And uh, one day I was sitting around and I was like, man, I just love my virtual assistants and this and that. And my virtual assistants are good. But I just wonder if anybody else has like virtual assistants figured out better than me. Gotta, gotta be. I can't be the top guy. So I do a big search on Google and I'm looking for books on virtual assistants because I wanted to buy these books and figure out how to implement into my business and make my virtual assistant team better. So I buy these books, um, I order every all of them that I can find, I get them and I start going through them and they're all crap. It's all fluff, absolutely nothing that you could implement and change your business with. It's more like the concept of why virtual assistance was good instead of actual items that you could implement. And I was, think, I was thinking to myself, I'm reading through these books, I'm like, this is crap, this is crap, this is crap. My stuff's way better than this. And it hit me like, wait a minute, my stuff is way better than this. I should probably just, I could take all my processes that I have in my virtual assistant business that I use in my company, compile those up and put those up for sale in my real estate business. Now, and magically I had a product. So we did that and that's how that idea created me money. And as it turns out, there was an inefficiency in the marketplace. And the first time I offered that, that book, I made $8,000. Okay, so I mean, that was just an idea. Well, it gets even better. So now I have this virtual assistant book on all these processes that you can plug into your, your business and people start buying them and I'm reading it. They read them and they call me back like, Matt, this information is amazing. And I keep getting good testimony after good testimony. And then one guy one day gives me another idea that makes me more money. He calls me up and his own laziness was an was an avenue for me to make more money. He calls me and goes, "Matt, this this virtual assistant guy that I bought from you is is, is unbelievable." He goes, "But I don't want to do any of this work. Can I just get one of your virtual assistants?" And I was thinking, "I guess I could do that." I mean, so I said, "Yeah." So I I took a virtual assistant, found another one, duplicated them and 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 then he he I, I charged him a fee to go hire this virtual assistant. And so now he's got a virtual assistant trained by my team. And I was like, well, that was pretty cool. So now I got a new, new company. I got a virtual assistant company. And then it happened again and again and again and again. And that grew, that was an idea that grew into its own thing. And now it's its own income stream. Money is an idea, plain and simple. All you have to do is find an inefficiency in the marketplace, whether that be a business that doesn't exist or a better than a, a, you know, improve a business that does exist that's just not very good. You know, my dumpster business was another thing. I originally started the dumpster business because I was tired of paying somebody $20,000 a month to rent dumpsters from them. When I knew the math was I could buy my own dumpsters for less than $20,000 a month. And so I buy my own truck and get my dumpsters and we use them. But I realize I have extra. I'm like, well, I wonder if anybody else might want these. But my price was so low because we, we absorbed all the costs within our own business that my overhead was basically nothing. So I could out, out price the marketplace, put an ad on Facebook, and then everybody wants to rent my dumpsters because they're half price. Now I'm making money from that and I'm still got huge margin. So it's just ideas. Like you can just make money from ideas. And if you're creative enough to look around for a minute and see where the ideas are at, you can, you can do that. You can find wholesalers that are amazing at finding deals. You know, there's, there, it's kind of weird because typically what I've learned over the years is there's two types of wholesalers. One that's really good at acquisitions. They're just amazing at finding deals, but typically they kind of like, they're not great at selling deals. And then you have these guys 
that seem to have these humongous buyers lists that can sell anything, right? So, so you could be the guy that steps in the middle like me and says, okay, I know this guy's really good at finding deals. And this guy over here is really good at selling deals. I'm going to go talk to all these invet these wholesalers about that are really good at finding deals, have them send me all their deals. Then I'm going to use my, my skill, which is negotiating and talk them way down on price and beat them up on price. And I'm going to go over here and, and hand them off to this guy and have him find me a buyer. And I'm going to make the money in between. And I never spent a penny on marketing, not a penny. So, so, so you can, you can just get creative on that stuff. I'm like the go-to guy in my markets on, on Dispo. Like we can dispo houses for more than everybody else. I got a great buyer's list. So I can just call a, an acquisitions person. They send me their list. I can re-wholesale that. And I typically will make more than they're making. So, and I didn't have to spend a penny on, I never had to met, meet a seller. I never had to um, spend money on marketing for that. I didn't have to write the contract, do earnest money, send all that stuff. None of that, right? I just matched people up. It's just an idea. First time I ever tried it, I made, I think I was $37,000 doing, or no, 17,500 is what I made on that. Oh. And all of a sudden I was like, that was pretty cool. Didn't have to do anything. Yeah, that's awesome. So I, I get the sense that you think differently than a lot of other real estate investors. Um, what do you think are, what's something that you believe in strongly that a lot of other people might disagree with? Um, well, one of them, one of the things is, is there's still a lot of people out there that think that virtual assistants are inferior employees. Um, I have people, I've, I have a friend of mine, he sees me promote my virtual assistants all the time. And he called me up one Saturday morning and he, he's like, man, I got to ask you a question. I see you talking on Facebook all the time about virtual assistants, but man, you know, just, Hey, it's Saturday morning. Nobody else is around. Just tell me like, you don't really use virtual assistants. Right. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, they're just not very good. They don't, they're not smart. I'm like, you just, you got it all wrong. Not, not only are my, not only are virtual assistants, I mean, done the right way guys. Like you have to, you have to interview, you have to filter them out. You have to find the best ones, but not only are they better and they're cheaper. I will put them up against any American and it'll blow them out of the water. Right. These are smart people. These have a lot of these people have bachelor's degrees like they have more college education than I do. You know, these so so a lot of people don't think that virtual assistants are have the capabilities to to do a lot of the jobs we have them doing. Um, it's not true. You know, I, if you call my office, a virtual assistant with perfect English picks up the phone from the Philippines, 800, 8,500 8, miles away and 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 helps you look at a rental property over the computer. She's a leasing agent from the, that far. If you call my maintenance team and have, if, you, if you're a tenant and you, you have a maintenance problem, you call that, that number, you're going to talk to a, a, a virtual assistant from 8,500 miles away that's going to help you diagnose what's wrong, with, uh, what's wrong with whatever you're calling about, potentially fix it, gather information, and schedule the right contractor to come in and get a bid, get pictures, and then get it fixed. It's 100% virtual. Wow. So I'd have to imagine that with a model like that, that you can also experience way better margins than the average person too. Massively. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about six bucks an hour. 
you know, minimum wage, I mean, it's no secret minimum wage is skyrocketing. And I don't even think minimum wage really exists right now because nobody's paying minimum wage. They have to pay like 30%, 40% higher than minimum wage. I see signs around town, you know, people working at fast food now making 16 to 18 bucks an hour, um, a virtual assistant, you know, six bucks an hour. And what you don't, what you got to remember is it's 29% higher when you hire an employee it's 29% higher in payroll taxes and all the other stuff that goes on with that. So if you hire somebody for 15 an hour, you're really paying, you know, 20 and you can get it done for six and better. It's not one-to-one. -one. I can hire one virtual assistant that will outwork two American workers. And that's just the facts, you know? So, and a lot of people will, will push back on me like, oh, well, that's not American and you're not, and you're not um, employing American workers. Well, I tell you what, go out and find me some American workers right now it's pretty tough to do you know there's it's labor is very very difficult to find and so nobody really wants to work anymore it's it's pretty sad but the philippines do it's uh it's amazing their work ethics are second to none yeah i'm curious about that because i mean you can get virtual assistance from anywhere you know i i know people some people like south america some people like eastern europe or Egypt or Philippines? Why Why did you pick the Philippines? Well, for one, they're English, it's an English-speaking country, mm -hmm. um, and good English is important, in my opinion. You know, you know, for a lot of the a lot of the jobs. And I don't know if you guys remember. Um, you guys are a lot younger than me, but back when landlines were just that's what everybody had, and you'd get a call at, if you had to call customer service or you'd get a call at night. It was always a very heavy Indian accent, and you could hardly understand what they were saying. And you knew right away that it was telemarketing, right? Um, and so I like the Philippines because their English is really good. That was one. Second, their core values are strong. They're hard workers. They're very loyal. They don't leave. Um, and they're, um, they're disciplined well. They learn fast. And they actually are, they care. They're very caring. They have, they have good hearts. They want to do the right thing. And um, they're nice to people. So... That's a big part of it. That's that's why I picked that country. And it just so happens that, um, you know, the dollar uh, value over there just gets you, you know, you can get really high, you know, the average minimum wage over there, because everything's so much cheaper, every, the minimum wage is only a dollar an hour. You know, wow. we pay our virtual assistants between mm, six and, and 12 bucks an hour. So, you know, somebody from the Philippines that's making $10 an hour is is rich. You know, there, that's a lot of money. Hmm. I, I just gave a bonus today, right before I jumped on with you guys. Um, I give a bonus to my top acquisitions VA. Um, and she, uh, this gal, her name's Resty. She got 16 houses under, was it 17 houses under contract in the month of September. So she got a $500 bonus. $500 is a lot of money. You know, that's, that's like, that'd be like $20,000 to us. So it's kind of funny. I always ask them when I give them big bonuses like that. So what are you going to do with the money? Well, I'm just going to save it, she says. So I'm like, that's cool. You got to do something. Go go out for a nice dinner. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. Wow, that's super cool. Um, all right, so let's take some uh, questions from our students. Um, one we have here. So uh, saw something about you and Tony Robbins. Uh, what was that all about? Yeah, so... Um, so it's kind of cool. So a few years ago, um, Tony, this actually just popped up on my Facebook um, memories the other day. 
um, Tony Robbins was getting getting scrutinized by his critics um, that he, you know, he'd get you know five, ten, fifteen thousand people to come to his events, and they'd get all hyped up and pumped up, and they're jumping up in the air, jumping up and down, and they'd leave the event pumped and excited and motivated, but they didn't have a business to plug into it, so the motivation would kind of wander and fade. And so he was getting a lot of scrutiny from that. So he made a decision. He wanted to find a business that he could plug his students into. So he, he for whatever reason, he, he figured it out. He wanted it to be real estate. And so, but the problem is he wanted it to be single family home real estate because he wanted anybody to be able to do it, no matter what income level they were. So he started searching the world really for the top, real, the top single family home real estate investor. And, you know, he went, he asked from one, and Tony Robbins has access to anybody he wants in the world. I mean, this guy was a, an advisor to three presidents. Um, he went from one person to the other, to the other, the other, the other, but eventually it got to me. Um, and I was the last guy in the line and I ended up be, being the guy picked to teach him. So I actually coached Tony for three days straight at the biggest, in the biggest hotel room I've ever seen in the Wynn Hotel. Um, just me and Tony, I mean, Tony had his entourage with him. He's got three bodyguards and, you know, a cook and a chiropractor, three personal assistants and all this stuff. But it was just me and Tony just, you know, going back and forth, teaching him on a whiteboard, how to do real estate. And it was pretty cool. So uh, not very many people get to say they, they actually coached Tony Robbins, but, um, but that really happened. I think it was 2014 um, that I did that. And it was pretty wild, pretty, pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, that's super cool. Blows my mind every time I hear that story. <laughs> yeah, it was it was intimidating first meeting him when I walked into that room. I still remember I was shaking. Awesome, a huge dude. Yeah. Uh, thirteen VAs. Where do you find them? Um. So what now? What I started, what I did was I went to Upwork.com. That's where I found a lot of my VAs in the very beginning. In fact, the first one that I ever hired, I still have with me and that's where I got her. But um, what I, what I, what I do now is different because now I, I've hired so many of them and I'm, I'm always hiring new VAs because we actually outsource um, people want VAs directly that are taught by my, me and my team. And so they come to us and they want one of our VAs. So what we've done now is we have, a, I have my own human resource person that lives in the Philippines that whenever we need another one, we give her what we're looking for with the criteria and she goes out and networks and finds um, potential applicants. And then we run them through the screening process. So we have our own res human resources in the Philippines now, but uh, uh, in the early on, and if you're just beginning, you can just go to Upwork, works good. The other thing too is there's a website, which a lot of people know about, but I'll mention is called Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com. Um, that's a great site for one-off tasks. Um, if you need to do just one-off deal that you're, it's not repetitive work, you're not going to do it every day or every week, just go to Fiverr and hire it out for 10, 15 bucks. And, uh, and, and, and you don't have to even hire anybody. And the cool part, the cool thing about, I like about, um, well, you, this works with Upwork too, but with Fiverr is everybody has a, a rating, a five-star rating. Like, okay. And if you see somebody with three stars, you know, you probably, they're probably not the right guy to hire. It's not like when we interview an American worker, they don't come with a star review, right? Somebody doesn't show up on their resume with, hey, I got verified that I'm five-star review, right? So you don't get that. But in, when you're hiring a service like a virtual assistant, you can see that stuff. Mm. So um, that's kind of where I would go that route. 
Nice. And then why did you switch to mostly wholesaling now? Well, just because we're in the market phase that we're in, um, you know, uh, I don't, you know, nobody can predict the future. Nobody has a crystal ball. Um, but I have been in the game for a while and I, I have a gut feeling that we're, we're going to run up to the top soon. Um, I don't know, maybe a year, maybe two. You know, don't get, if you're watching this and you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm too late to the game. Don't, don't think that. Get, get started now because when the market crashes, that's where all the money's at. So, um, you know, I wholesale a lot now and I wholesale a lot during, during the downturn and I made money both but it seemed like it was even easier to make money when um, you know prices are in half and there's just not as much competition out there. Um, my, my actual profit margins are higher now per deal, but I think I did more deals during the downturn just because it was, it was, they were just abundant. So, but yeah, that's it. Wow. So um, if you're only working four to five hours week in your real estate business, what are you actually responsible for? Well, you know, it's really just the top line, the top line. Well, there's a couple of things really. One is creativity. You know, if I, I'm an entrepreneur and my, my job is I'm the idea guy. So if I, if I wake up in the morning and I want to switch up some, you know, maybe, maybe I want to like, this is something that happened the other day. I decided like, hey, I want to I want to start going after more hedge fund buyers. I got contacted by a hedge fund that that reached out to me that wants like 30 houses a month. I don't know if that deal will come together or not, but it gave me the idea, you know, we should we should probably be looking at these hedge funds a little bit closer. So I got up in the morning and I just sent an email out to my my team and said, hey, let's do some research on how to find some hedge funds and let's let's start contacting all of them. And the, the universe always delivers what you ask for. And, uh, and so we, we found a, a, a system on how to, how to find hedge funds. I did a little research and, um, and so that, so that's one idea that, Hey, what we're doing is working, but I had an idea that maybe could be even better. So, um, so that's something that you could do, but you're keeping, keeping track of your KPIs on, okay, you know, what's, you know, how many offers are we making? How many are getting accepted? How many deals are we closing? You know, how many are falling apart? Why are they falling apart? Like, you know, your, your job is to troubleshoot any issues that come up um, that are out of the ordinary or just improvements in the business that you want to um, help implement to, to take the company to the next level. You know, there's, there's a lot of phases of a business, right? You can be in a growth phase and you're, you're pushing hard to grow to another level. You can be in a plateau phase where you're really not, you know, you're not, you're not sliding back, but you're not growing Fast, and then you could be in a downward phase where, hey man, why is why is stuff going wrong? Like, why are we doing less deals this month than we did last? So what, what do we need to be doing? So, but it's you know, it's it's more often than night not it's it's all it's not as much a plateau as it's either going up or going down. And a jo the job of the guy kind of running the thing is to keep that keep that uh, you know keep that forward motion going. Now, I will say, I'm. You know, I'm 46. I don't push as hard as I used to. It used to be, okay, if we're at five deals a month, I want to be at 10. If we're at 10 deals a month, I want to be at 20. If we're at 20 deals a month, I want to be at 30. And I remember writing it out how I was going to do 100, 100 plus deals a month. In 2013, I did over a thousand deals, and I realized I don't really don't need really need to do a thousand deals. That's too hard. That's too much work. And so, um, and so you get to different um, phases in your business where you want to work hard or not. 
Uh, and then you, you know, the other thing, you know, you happens is you start making money and then you start deciding that you can put your money into other stuff and let it work for you. Everybody's in a, everybody's in a different, um, phase. Right. And so, um, the other thing is, is some entrepreneurs are really, um, lifestyle based. Like they, they build their business to give them the lifestyle they want. Other entrepreneurs are more performance-based, like how high can I take this thing, right? I'm, I've been in the performance base where I just wanted to grow and be, you know, the biggest company on the planet. And, and that was awesome. And I did, I had some years that made, we, we did ridiculous amounts of deals and made ridiculous amounts of money. But I also now I'm a little different. I'm more of a lifestyle entrepreneur, like, okay, what can I do to, to make a certain amount of money that, um, that makes me happy and keeps me excited, but I also get to, to hang at my lake house all day, right? You, you, you want to, you have, there's a balance. That is the first time I've heard of the performance driven versus life lifestyle driven. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So acquisitions, virtual assistants, don't you worry about them handling your leads? No, um, no, they do. They do such. I mean, I don't worry about that any more than you would worry about an American closer. Um, again, it's all math, right? Um, you can see what their KPIs are. You can see, okay, you know, how many conversations they have and how many offers they make and, you know, how many offers are being accepted, how many, how many offers are being um, rejected, how many counters, you know, how many, how many voicemails are they dropping each day? Like it's just math. And ultimately, the only reason math is there in KPIs is, is how much money's coming in, how much money's being spent, how much money's coming in, how many deals are closing. And so if, if I, I would worry about them handling my leads, if um, all of a sudden we weren't closing deals, then I would get nervous and I'd be like, okay, what do we need to change? Right. But, um, but no, they're, they're, these people are well-trained. They're better. They're typically, I, I really feel like they're better than most American closers. I, well, I know they are because um, we've seen it every day, but um, but no, that's not something I worry about. Again, um, it's all about the right people with the right training um, into the right system. If it doesn't matter where they live or where they're from, if they if they're trained right and the right person, they can perform well. Awesome. And then, so how many leads are your acquisitions VAs getting like weekly First, how many offers are they making weekly First, how many deals are getting closed out um, of those offers? Let me give you more daily, daily, and you can multiply this out. Cause I, I look, I look at, um, for some reason, I like the daily stuff better. I'm just really, I don't like a week to get away from me. I don't like a month to get away from me. I want to know what's happening every day. And so each day we typically, they'll typically have between 30 and 40 conversations. Some of those are fresh brand new leads and some of them are follow-ups, right? There's always follow-ups to do. Um, and then from there, they will typically make between 14, eight to 14 offers a day. Okay. Um, now our ratio for offers to acceptances is one out of 14. So, you know, it's not unusual for us to get, you know, a deal accepted a day. You know, sometimes we'll go through, we went through a dry, a dry spell a couple of weeks ago where we went a couple of weeks and it was like some deals didn't, no, no deals weren't getting put together, but then all of a sudden it was like an avalanche, you know, we're getting two or three a day. So um, I like to keep track of daily. I can, I can, I can make micro moves if I know 
daily with the daily stuff that's happening. If you go off by a month um, or a week, it's just too late. You know, I get, I get a lot of daily reports guys. That's really where my time is spent. And I, and I can look at a daily report in eight seconds and know what's up. So I'm really big on that. Interesting. So one out of 14, I'm curious because, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, you want to hit a 20, 25% closing ratio. So do you think that's because you're just making more offers on maybe houses that other people wouldn't, or what would you attribute that to? We probably spend, um, there's a lot of ways that you can filter out a deal. Um, and a 20, I, I don't go off of closing percentages like 25%. The reason why is this, if somebody only makes four offers in the month and closes one, you know, that's one deal, right? And they closed at a 25%. But if I, I have a lot of leads coming in, a good marketing system brings in a lot of leads. Some of those leads, a lot of leads out there, and a lot of people screen out these leads and there's really money in there, but they'll, they'll find a lead that, you know, has equity, a lot of equity in the deal. Sellers, you know, shown a little bit of motivation, but they're asking a really high price. Okay. So the house is worth, you know, hundred grand. And they're asking a hundred grand. A lot of people will kick that deal out. We know that we'll have to buy that deal at $50,000. For example, we're not going to kick that deal out. We're going to, we're going to offer on that deal and we're going to work that deal over until we get them down to 50 grand. So, um, so maybe it's that, um, you know, but we don't leave any stone unturned and we typically offer on almost everything that comes through as long as there's an equity position in there where the, the, the seller can get to the price that we need them to get to where we would make money. We don't kick out a deal because of the asking price. Interesting. Yeah. That's different than what I see a lot of people do. So um, that makes sense. So it seems like you're more focused on just get more offers out there, more offers we get more deals we can get. Yeah. Um, we're very, very focused on the negotiation and sales skills, right? It actually takes more skill um, from a negotiator's standpoint to work on a lead that's that's asking a higher price to get them down, right? Yeah. If I, I just don't sit around and wait for the, the home run that, you know, the house is worth a hundred grand, seller calls us and they want 30, right? I just, you know, you're going to get those. They're, they're not, you're, you know, one out of 10, one out of 15, you're going to get those. But I want all those other ones in between. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, obviously it's working for you, so... Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, so as we wrap up, uh, what can our listeners do to support you? Um, yeah. So if you, if, if, you know, if anybody wants to find me, um, you can find me on Instagram. Um, real estate, Matt is my handle. Um, if you message me, it'll really be me, um, that, um, that answers you. Um, you know, if somebody has a question or needs help with something, I'm pretty good about, um, responding and helping people. I'm not one of those guys that, somebody reaches out and I, first thing I say is that, yeah, you got to, you know, write me a check and I'll, I'll help you. I'm just not one of those guys. As long as I can answer it somewhat quickly, don't ask me to jump on a call with you and that, something like that. I probably wouldn't do that, but if you need some help, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll help you. Um, you know, the other thing is you can, you can always just, you know, I'm always trying to give, I, I try to post stuff. I like, I like to try to motivate people and, and give them good knowledge. I do webinars where, 
Um, we teach people, you know, a lot of different techniques and yeah. So if somebody follows me, you can, you can learn a few things where we are pretty giving. Um, and Instagram is probably where I'm most active. Awesome. And then for anyone, you know, who's interested, we've talked about these acquisitions, VAs, like what's the, what are those bullet points that you would give someone? And then if they were interested, what would they do? Um, you mean if they, if they're right for something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So, so an acquisitions VA, again, if you're not doing any marketing at all and you don't have a CRM um, and you don't, you're not willing to do marketing and not willing to invest in a CRM, I would not probably do an acquisitions VA. If you're, if you're struggling right now and you're bringing in, you're doing marketing and leads are coming in and all of a sudden you get busy with looking at your leads and figuring out if it's a good lead or bad lead. Um, and then your marketing stops because you're over here looking at the leads. Uh, and then you get a good lead and then you, you pick up the phone and call a seller. And because you're so rushed with everything else that's going on, you, you jump on a call and you're on this call with a seller for two minutes rushing through the call. And then of course you don't close it because that's not enough time to build rapport. Then a marketing VA might be for you. Um, if somebody does, um, if somebody wants to, to talk through, um, you know, if a marketing VA is, is right for them, just, just hit me up, tell them that, Tell them that um, just mention Dan's name so I know where they came from uh, and just hit me up and, and, and we can talk through if it's something that's a good fit. Typically, the people that are um, picking up uh, acquisitions VAs are you know people that are doing marketing, they have a CRM or they're willing to invest in a CRM and they're just missing leads. They've got leads stacking up. I talked to a guy a couple of days ago. He, he's got over 100 leads this week built up that he hasn't had time to call those sellers back. That's bad. Like that's throwing your money away on marketing. And there's probably 50 to 100,000 in profit sitting in those 100 leads. So don't let that happen. If you need help, reach out. Maybe an acquisitions VA is, is right for you. But um, you know what? I, I typically will give, you know, for clients of yours, Dan, I give a, a little bit of a discount. Um, we don't do much of a discount. We'll give a little bit. So if they mention your name, um, they can, we, can, we can help them out there. Awesome. Um, as we wrap up two more things, um, what's the one thing that you would hope people would remember and take away from this conversation? Um, try to get out, a put, put a value on your time, um, figure out what your time's worth and get, get the thing, stop doing the things that, that are not worth your time. You know, if, it, one, if you, if your time is, if you've figured out your time is worth $50 an hour, stop doing the stuff that you can you can hire out for less than that. That's one thing. Um, and two, and maybe something I, I alluded to, but probably didn't go deep enough on is, is life goes really fast. You know, it was, it was just like that. I was 30 years old, 16 years ago, getting into real estate, 46. Now my, you know, my goal, my goal now is to enjoy life and really be looking at where you want to be in five or 10 years and build the business around where you want to be in five or 10 years now. If, you know, the, the end of the rainbow isn't 80 hours a week. It really isn't. You're not going to be any happier making a million dollars a year if you're working 80 to 90 hours a week. You will not be happier doing that. So figure out how to, how to leverage, your, leverage your skills and your time and enjoy life while making a lot of money. Absolutely. And if you were a superhero, which one would you be? I was a superhero. Which one would I be? Probably, I kind of like Superman. I'd probably be that guy. 
Right on. And, and even Superman has a kryptonite. You know, we all do. So that's probably me. Very cool. Love it. All right. Uh, well, Matt, thank you for being here, sharing your stories, your lessons. Um, I know we're all better for it. Super grateful for you. Um, everyone listening, thank you for listening. If you got value out of this, please like, subscribe, comment, share with your friends. And I also want to make sure that you can grow from this. So just pick one thing from today and take action on it right now. As soon as you're done listening, just do that one thing to move in the right direction. Make the call, schedule the meeting, just do something. The only way that you're going to grow is by taking action. So go out and take action. Signing off, this is Dan Bro, along with my co-host, Matt Bruner with Real Estate Heroes.